This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. What's going on, Reef Builders? Welcome to another session of Reef Therapy with my good friend, Mark Vanderwall. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's been a week. Yeah. Doing well. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, like... As soon as we finish up one episode and one or two days goes by, I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what we're going to talk about the next one. Yeah. And then invariably, like a whole bunch of stuff um, transpires. And uh, we have plenty, plenty to talk about. Agreed. Um, yeah. So go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I, I actually, you know, with my day job and working and everything, I get a kick out of your uh, emails, like the email I got today where... It's like uh, these jumping off points that we can start talking about where I'm like, ooh, and then my brain starts going and then I should be doing work, but I'm thinking about what you, <laughs> what you emailed me. That's like me when I'm going to sleep. Like I'm, it, I've been blogging and making videos for so long. I've always got like this second narrative of like, oh, I could tell people about this. I could tell people about how this coral is behaving or this new food or this, this new technique for uh, putting – powerhead somewhere in the time it's non-stop like there's a second voice in my head it's like what are the stories that i can you know share with the audience that is going to enrich their reef keeping experience i'm same i'm same i uh yeah sometimes sometimes i can't get to sleep till about two in the morning because i'm i'm off on some tangent in my head of not necessarily what i could talk about reef wise with somebody uh, other than you but you know um, I don't know. How do I put it? I I'm sure other people can relate where, where you, uh, you think you're going to fall asleep and then you have this cool idea or like, Ooh, you know what? I haven't tried. And then next thing you know, it's two in the morning. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things I love to listen to, uh, to go to sleep is just any kind of like YouTube video about the universe. If I'm thinking about stars and moons and planets, it like it mentally removes me from all the things <laughs> I need to think about. It's pretty nice. So I was actually, um, um, let's, uh, you know, we're, we're still in like in the process of, um, kind of developing a rhythm to, uh, each of our weekly, uh, productions. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll try to start off each episode by, um, acknowledging the comments that we've received last week. And I'm kind of really shocked and surprised that two things, one, not that many questions, but two, um, people seem to be very much resonating with the non live aspect of reef therapy. Yeah. I, uh, I, I figured there'd be a big push for us to do a live stream and, you know, that's, that's what I've been used to too. Also just jumping onto YouTube channels where it is a live stream and you're trying to keep up with the comments and everything else. And, uh, one, I was happy we didn't go that route initially. Uh, but now I also, like the fact that it does resonate with people um, because you're, you know, uh, to me, it's like too many moving parts sometimes, you know, um, I, I can't keep up when I'm a viewer yeah. reading the comments. So I can't even imagine being on the receiving end of that as well. Um, I, I give props to now to people that do that because I can only imagine, you know, keeping a engaging conversation going while also trying to 
keep tabs on what people want to hear or want to say, you know, in a live setting. That's got to be tricky. Well, uh, you know, undeniably the most popular podcast of all time is you know, the Joe Rogan experience. I'm sure you've watched some episodes. Uh, you know, I wax and wane and how much I enjoy that show, but like it's a train of thought and you can stick to it. And there's enough people you know, attempting to do some form of the live stream format. And I just, I just love you and I just going, going down deep into whatever our thoughts are about the reef aquarium hobby or the news and you know in the future there'll be opportunities for us to do it live but i think this is our calling i think this is our calling (laughs) yeah it it might be fun in the future every once in a while to shake it up i think it'd be fun to bring in you know some other people every once in a while to see what they have to say and and let them go down that rabbit hole with us you know yeah yeah but um but for now i'm really enjoying this for sure yeah, no, I think we have uh, a few years worth of content for you and I to <laughs> to really digest yeah. to, you know, that's, this is, this is, again, reef therapy is supposed to be the antidote to FOMO, to fear of missing out, to just snide remarks on the bulletin boards or, you know, people just not being very cool in, in an online or social media format. Yeah, that's the other thing I've noticed too is, uh, I mean, I don't do this a lot or at all like you do. You know, you you have more, you have a history on YouTube. I don't. Um, I was a bit anxious about, oh, man, what if people just start having a lot of negative feedback? But um, I was really overjoyed to see that people were enjoying it. But also um, the, the, the comments clearly to me showed that they were they got what this was about, you know, like yeah. they, they got what we were trying to get at. It, it, there was not a misinterpretation between the presenter and the audience of what we were trying right. to do here. I mean, I don't think we have a very defined purpose other no. than that you and me, we know we want to sit down and really hash out the news of the day and the, you know, the cultural stepping stones that are transpiring for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, and I like that we keep it somewhat fun and not so serious at times either. I mean, I don't know. When I when I tune into a lot of podcasts, for me, it's, it's also that I'm tuning out to the world a bit, you know, and mm-hmm. just thinking about a subject that I enjoy or that either relaxes me or, 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 or something I'm passionate about. And so I don't want to jump into this format and be listening or going for a run and I'm listening to two guys talking and they're... And I'm getting riled up about something. Right. You know? um, so I, I like that it's it's more of a, I don't want to say lighthearted, but more, you know, we're not. It's low stakes. Yes, that's the word. That's a good <laughs> way to put it. It's, it's low stakes, right? Yeah. We don't have to come up with a solution. Um, but I'm sure many of you are thinking, you know, we're not really overlaying other images or clips. You know, this is really kind of turning into like a video podcast. And the only thing that is uh, holding us up from syndicating this across all your podcatchers is that we're just going to be working on a logo. But as soon as that's done, you should be able to find this on um, all your favorite, you know, uh, podcast platforms. Um, So that's coming really soon. But in the meantime, tune in here to YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to Reef Therapy. And uh, I think we have one uh, kind of, what is it, kind of sticky topic to talk about with the with with, with names and, and what words mean in general 
<laughs> I, I, I feel like we could go on for three hours just on that. And this is my therapy. Just to, if I vent and I, and I get it out of my system once you know, to an audience, then I, I can kind of let it go. Um, but today we were um, given exclusive privilege to talk about the brand new flagship reef aquariums from Red Sea took me by surprise and it took you by surprise so you currently have a red sea right i do i do i've got a reefer 62l xxl is the i think the model number or you know yeah i you know what's so funny like they have so many models now not just them but red sea water box innovative marine i'm just like uh, yeah, I got a five foot peninsula. I got a six yeah. foot peninsula. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you call it. Then I don't know what you've calculated the total system volume to be, but I've done my own internal measurements and I know how much water is in my tank. <laughs> so the brand new tank being announced today is the Red Sea Reefer S. And it's just so funny how we were talking about the unheralded takeover of rimless aquariums yeah. just last week and all of a sudden we have a brand new flagship aquarium that is not rimless that is so freaking cool did you get a chance to take a look at the the web page i did i did uh i had um i had some envy uh, you know I, there's there's a lot of features on it that i like um i'm curious if this is sort of the uh if we're going to start seeing more manufacturers do things other than rimless because it seemed like every manufacturer went rimless. Um, and I, I do like the, I mean, I've always called it Euro bracing, um, but uh, um, what, they had a different term for it. Uh, let me let's, let's rewind it a little bit. Sure. Describe for our, our listeners and watchers, our viewers, um, what we're talking about. So the Red Sea Reefer S is two tanks um and they really are kind of in the flagship territory i think red sea did an amazing job of describing and promoting and marketing the the newest features of this aquarium um but there's a let's see red sea reefer s850 which is a six foot long tank um essentially a 180 gallon tank and then there's red sea reefer s which is a thousand no, a Red Sea Reefer S1000, that's a model number, and it's a 210 gallon that is seven feet long. Um, the biggest defining features of these two tanks is they have uh, an all new uh, metal frame construction, so marine grade aluminum. Um, I really hope and I anticipate that, that will be you know, pre built. Yeah, I, I, it seems like a real liability to get people to like assemble their own metal stands. It's a little bit different when. Well, they 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 did it with the Max S, right? They those had the uh, internal aluminum frame, but I think it was a you you assemble it kind of deal. Hmm. So I, I'm curious if you have the, to do the same. You know, uh, both the Red Sea and the Water Box have substantial investments in the uh, foundation and i remember when i put together my water box my six foot water uh, peninsula water box i think i i did it very casually and i watched two movies while doing it like it just took <laughs> that long i'm yeah. sure like an expert could probably slap one together in an hour but it i enjoyed the process i got to know my tank by putting it together um but let's see these reefer s is is clearly going to be their flagship line and it's only going to come with this uh, metal frame stand clearly this is the future of supporting larger marine aquariums um 
what else do they have going on? The very one of the biggest curious uh, features of it is it has what is universally known in the English or at least American aquarium hobby as Euro bracing, um, which is basically like a kind of like a strip that's uh, I guess glued or attached or fastened to the top rim to give it a little bit of rigidity. Um, I think that's definitely going to re- re- that's definitely going to reduce some of the bowing. Um, and then, um, just a lot of other little things. It has a split sump, so you can do some different things with the sump. It has a slide out, uh, control panel. Oh my God, that's super cool. And just a lot of other tweaks that they, you know, they're trying to harp on, uh, but they're kind of standard nowadays. So what was your first impression? Cause you just looked at it, the page like a couple hours ago, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I going back to the Max S that they initially had. One thing that I really loved was the aluminum frame stand. Um, that was me, optional. In the was Max it? S. I think it was option. There's one range where it was optional, and in this one, it's standard. Okay, I thought I thought they had it on like the 650 or Max S 500, but um, no, I like that. I wood wood frame stands are great, but you know, I mean, they, they've been around in the hobby for quite a while, but they're prone to humidity issues. Right. Um, and you're going to put a sump down there. And so to me, aluminum gives you the advantage that your strength and your rigidity is pretty much impervious to humidity changes. Right. Um, assembly to me, uh, maybe if it does require assembly, it's probably a little more intricate work, but locking aluminum pieces together to me is a, you know, doing a good job is a lot easier with, I think that than say wood, because I mean, I think we've all assembled furniture before and, um, sometimes, you know, wood chips, sometimes you screw it in wrong or at a wrong angle. Like you can't really get a wrong angle as easily with aluminum. So I think it's maybe the work, there's a little more work to put it together, but I think the finished product is something that you're going to feel a lot more secure in. Uh, my stand is super secure. I mean, it's, you know, when I put it together, I was shocked at how, um, how stiff it was. So, so Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't think necessarily there's a problem there, but I do feel like if I, if you gave me the choice between the two, I would choose aluminum. Oh yeah. No question. No question. And, um, another thing that I found really curious and I'm, I'm probably the only person who's really thinking this is, um, because I have, uh, um, innovative marine uh, ext aquariums and they came with um you know kind of like a, an extruded aluminum stand so like they're just barely passable for those tanks and they're supposed to be uh kind of stiffened up by the panels but i used none of the panels none of the doors and um i just i really like the idea that if someone has more discerning tastes they're going to be able to put on their own panels. Like, I don't know what the attachment mechanism is to, to, to use these marine grade poly ply, whatever they call it, yeah. uh, to attach that to the aluminum. But if you can do that, you know, back in the day, like, you know, there was, there was factory made wooden stands that were very cookie cutter, right? You had, yeah. you had wood tone, you had light wood tone, you had yeah. black, you had white, and then um, washed oak. I remember washed oak was kind of like uh, the rage in the late 90s. Um, but with this, it really, this is, again, this is one feature. I think I'm the only one who's really uh, thinking about, like, you could spend two to $3,000 getting someone to customize the skins 
that is going to go on this on this metal frame. I'm sure this appeals to 0.1% of the people listening right now, but um, that's a that's a that's a cool aspect of of flexibility. Well, I think. I've seen a lot of people that do the 80/20 route and then they plan on skinning it and then they don't because mm-hmm. they actually get mm-hmm. a kick yeah. out of having the plumbing on display, right? Like you spend all this money getting a nice filtration setup going and your dosing pump and everything put, and then you do a lot of nice wiring work and it's like, you kind of want to show that off, right? I've, I've seen people go that route too. And so I, I don't think my wife would be cool with that if I did something like that in my house, but I can definitely appreciate the hobbyist that says, you know, these panels just get in my way. I want to, I want it out and open. Um, so it gives you that flexibility. I guess you could take the doors off of a traditional Red Sea Reefer, um, and get the same effect, but I don't know. Well, so for those that don't know, 8020 is, um, kind of a semi-standardized extruded aluminum framework system. And the, the sticks of the aluminum themselves are not going to cost you that much, but every single piece and accessory to customize it, that's where it kind of adds up. We've had 8020 at some, uh, aquarium shows before, um, but you know, one of the simplest things you can do is something that I see at um, the Aquatic Art. Uh, he's got a steel frame stand, and oh man, he's just got a couple mount- magnets mounted top and bottom, and he's just got wooden panels with you know little pieces of metal, and they just they just slap on, slap off. So that's the thing with the eighty twenty or with this new stand. Man, it's almost like a weird uh, opportunity for uh, third party and aftermarket accessories to really customize the tank the way you want. Yeah, it takes it takes literally nothing to just you know secure a couple magnets and get uh, you know some thin starboard or acrylic or just something that literally will just uh, pop on and pop off and uh, but I think that's enough about the stand. I'm sure the the, the viewers and listeners want to hear a little bit more about the tank itself. So what was a, what was one of the other features that really grabbed your attention? And feel free to to dive into the your bracing now if you want. Yeah, the uh, so they call it the fortified internal framed aquarium, uh, yeah. <laughs> aka Euro bracing in my book. But um, m- maybe there's some Europeans listening, like you guys call it what? <laughs> um, maybe they call it non-American bracing. I don't know. Um, but I like that in the sense that my biggest beef with rimless tanks is, you know, I said it in I think the first podcast or YouTube, whatever we want to call this session, session reef therapy session. You get that water within like a one inch of that top of the rim and, you know, a powerful power head or getting a little crazy with your magnet and you got splashy crap and you're wiping everything down. And it's just, it, I find it hard to keep a rimless tank clean in that regard. I went the other route where I ordered a tank with a water level lower, but a comparable solution is to go with some Euro bracing, right? It keeps things on the outside, I think, a lot cleaner. Um yeah, it might help with some of the some of the jumpiness, right? Because uh, you know, a lot of the fish I see, they'll run up the glass and then yeah, absolutely, right. So, so I mean, this is going to be absolutely a divisive feature. You're going to have some people who just absolutely love it, and some people who have nothing to do with it. But you know, I. A, a few things. One, you know, it's it's obviously mostly structural uh, to prevent any kind of bowing because they're trying to do a little bit longer tank, especially in the S1000 model, which is seven feet long. Um, you know, I know my uh, six foot water box and my five foot uh, Red Sea and my four foot Innovative Marine. If you look down the end, like, yeah, you can you can see a tiny bit of flex, which is absolutely normal. Um, but 
one curious design choice that I, I noticed is um, it's black. It's yeah. jet black. And they promote it as such. And so I wonder if that's going to actually cast shade on the front glass to some degree, which is absolutely going to depend on what kind of light you have and how it's mounted. But man, if it reduces, you know, the scraping of the glass on your tank, even by a little bit, that's really cool. But to your point, like reducing some of the fish jumping because very few fish, you know, maybe some firefish and some wrasses can just jump out, you know, in place, like right in the center of the tank and go flying. Most of your fish are going to ride the edge of the glass and end up out. Like they're not trying to get out. They're just kind of startled. So that's, that's going to keep some fish in, but I fear it's going to like give people some complacency against having, you know, some kind of good secure top that absolutely prevents fish from exiting the aquarium. It'd be interesting too, because there's a lot of aftermarket clip-on things that are all built around that rimless market. So now you're going to have to look at, okay, you know, auto feeders, uh, any of those type of things that are going to have to clamp onto that um, that Euro brace now. You know, that, that's something that I've heard people with custom-ordered Euro brace tanks run into in the past is it's, you know, mounting things can somewhat be a pain sometimes as soon as you mentioned that as like i'm not sure if the back of the tank is your brace it doesn't look like it from the picture i'm looking at right now which would help with like the light mounts right yeah because i think uh, you know red sea's own uh refled mount is for uh, a vertical pane but yeah i mean it's not even that long ago that a lot of different lighting mounts had to have the versatility of clamping onto a vertical surface or a horizontal surface um hold on i just gotta peek at my screen real quick no no i don't i don't see any euro bracing on the backside. i don't either so yeah so that's interesting and you know people aren't going to have to worry about that so much um but yeah that's a great point i mean there used to be a whole ecosystem of accessories that you know clamped onto just that lip and some of them kind of went away when we lost that lip without celebration um so yeah i I think that's enough on that euro bracing like i said it's going to be a a divisive feature um what do you think about that split sump i think that's pretty cool I saw that. So they did that in their reefer 900 as well. Um, and, uh, at first I, I didn't like it, I admit, but then it grew on me at first. I, additional plumbing always get, makes me a little anxious, right? It's another leaky point. But then I also understood why they did it, uh, especially with the reefer 900, cause it gives them another perpendicular reinforcement, you know, mm-hmm. position inside the stand. Um, but it also looks like you can disconnect it. It gives you some cool flexibility. You know, you can make it a, a larger refugium. You can make it an auto top-off tank, a prop tank. Um, so th- that's pretty cool. I, I think if I if it was my tank, I would actually probably remove it because I like having a lot of space inside my stand for equipment. Right. Um, it used to be that we would try to fit the biggest sump we possibly could inside a stand, mm-hmm. and then you don't know what to do with everything else. So I would... Yep. I'd, unless I needed a top-off unit inside the tank, I'd probably yank it. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you like um, it? Yay, nay? You've seen setups for years where the display is mediocre, the sump is mediocre, and people add a frag tank 
to handle all the frags <laughs> that are going to go in their mediocre displays. And I'm, I'm not trying to hate, but it's the truth. Like the, the more tanks you have, the less your attention is focused on one thing. And so I feel like, um, one, I definitely want to uh, mark them down. Like they'd subtract a point for calling an algae scrubber refugium, which I'd like to get to in the whole <laughs> naming segment and words matter uh, of this session. Um, but in, in general, I, I love it. I love it because this is um, it's going to be dedicated, right? It's like, oh, here's an easy way to have um, if it's attached, you can have a, a real macroalgae scrubber or an actual refugium or a little mini frag tank or, you know, just your secondary tank. So you're not putting all kinds of weird junk in your main display. And um, or just like you said, like the flexibility of removing it or separating it so you can have, you know, a, a chamber for automatic water changes or non-gravity fed auto top off with lots of failure points. That's one thing I just realized that Red Sea doesn't make is an auto top off. Well, <laughs> the, I, the reefer came with a uh, a float. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that's not that's not even a thing, man. <laughs> it is like five, four, three gallons, so it's good for a few yeah. days. You might as well do it manually. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's really cool, and especially with um, you know people being paying a lot more attention to the benefits of a, a real macroalgae scrubber. Um, it, it just affords a lot of flexibility, man. It, it, it's cool. I, I think Red Sea. Um, again, even the presentation. It's funny how you mentioned how you had like tank envy, but like I already have amazing tanks. But it's just it's weird how like your gears start turning. And it's like yeah. Hmm, could I tear this tank down just to set one of these up? I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. It's it's an awesome, awesome piece of kit. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be very popular. I, I think the and especially this tank being an even better example of that, um, what I sort of love about the fact that setting up a reef tank has become a lot less DIY, you know, it's a lot less... I mean, it's it it can be right. My next tank, I'm PVCing it out and all that. But the fact that you know the current tank I had, I, I bought it. It showed up. I put the plumbing pre-assembled plumbing together, and I was up and running. Um, it removes a lot of bad ideas that people get when they're setting up their tank, um, where they go, "Oh, I regret doing this or that." But yes, it also- yes, it's weird how it. It's strange how the pre-cut plumbing is something that they want to promote, but like this is something we absolutely come to expect from tanks like this. Um, like I said, I have a Red Sea Peninsula, I have a Waterbox Peninsula, and I have a Cade Aquarium. For some reason, it was only with the Cade Aquarium that it really hit me that like I felt some inadequacies as a proficient reefer. Yeah. That I didn't have to measure or cut or glue anything. It was just uh, pop and lock. Just 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 roll but i love your point how it discouraged reefers from from trying to do things that they think are tricky but will probably turn around and, and bite them in the butt down the road yeah i i think it's hard to do clean plumbing um and, and maybe it is for maybe it's not for other people it is certainly for me um, but it also levels the playing field right it's uh I, it's not like, oh, look at this amazing plumbing job I did. It's like, hey, you and I have the exact same tank. We have the exact same plumbing. We have the exact same sump. Our choices in equipment may vary, 
But um, it's really all about what you put in the tank and how you care for what's in the tank, right? So for me... I, I love your perspective of looking at it of like, oh, this is leveling the playing field. So now your proficiency as a reef aquarist really has to shine through the aquarium because you're not going to have very different equipment. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm over here. I'm like, oh, man, I don't get to flex my you know, 25 <laughs> years of like reef aquarium skills and, and, and the pride that comes with proper plumbing. But... Man, that pre-cut stuff is, is is amazing. It's really, really good. Well, I mean, that's what did we have to prove back then, right? I mean, that was uh, I don't know. Like, used to we used to build our own sumps. That you did your own plumbing. Um, and Always tweak the skimmer. The tweak the skimmer was never good enough out of the box. Yep. You know, you had to uh, enlarge the venturi a little bit, or you know grind out the volume of the, the needle wheel pump a little bit. Like there's always something to just kind of like you know, make you feel like you, you really put your touch on it. But I like your perspective of saying, Hey, we're, we're leveling the playing field. If you have this tank then I have this tank, then, you know, it's not about how it's put together so much. It's more how it's ran. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, just a slight little detour and we'll come back to the Red Sea Reefer, but Mr. Sue of Baliakarich just sent me four pictures of, I don't know why this guy like only makes hybrids. The yellow ear angelfish, uh, Polomictus xanthotus from the Red Sea and Western Indian Ocean has never been bred, nor has the Griffiths angelfish ever been bred. So what did he do? He bred them together. It, dude, this, this thing looks like this thing looks like a Picasso. It looks like a Picasso fish, and it looks like he has more than one. Oh my god, that thing looks crazy! I wish you could see this. By the time this comes up, hopefully, I'll have uh, the green light from Mister Sue to share these on Reef Builders. Um, so that's another thing we're gonna do, since uh, we're you know kind of uh, aiming more towards the uh, um, vocal experience for the the sessions. Um, we'll try to include more show notes that. Uh, include like pertinent links and articles and by and large most of this stuff is going to be on reef builder so holy crap when i saw those pictures i was just like i had a, i had a, <laughs> had a definite moment um but back to the red sea reefer s it's nice man it's nice and you're gonna pay for it but i don't think it's as much as a custom aquarium which is what you would have had to order up um say five years ago ten years ago did you see the prices? You had to click through a little bit more to see the prices. I didn't, know. So um, the 180-gallon tank, basically, the 850 is 5299 That's it? That's, that's one re reaction. The S1000, which is a 210-gallon display. I'm always going to talk about display, like... Let's just take a little detour right here to like scold these manufacturers who are trying to claim the total system volume as the tank yeah. setup. Like, no, 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 uh-uh. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I think Waterbox might be the worst. They kind of put that system volume first and then the display volume like second. It's just weird, like as a weird slippery slope that we've experienced with these all-in-one tanks where they're, yeah, okay, you have you know, this back filter section that might be taking up like 10 to 20% of the uh, system volume. But anyway, it's uh, 5,300 for the 850 and 6,000 for the 210. And man, if you try to piece all that, if you got a custom tank, made your own plumbing, your own sump, and got 80-20 stand, you'd be looking at pretty close to 6000 as the price of the uh, the S1000. 
So I'll look at it this way. I, or, I just ordered a custom 180. Uh, uh-huh. the, the only thing custom about it is because uh, it's a standard. They make a standard rimless product, right? Mm-hmm. 180. I just had them move the overflow to the side instead of the middle. And I had them, I, I'm asking them to lower it a couple inches, right? So uh, I have, hardly qualifies as custom just a couple tweaks right i agree yeah drill drill the holes over here put the box there and make it a little shorter right uh, i'm not asking you to change the dimensions of the tank right so i when i add it all up and i'm also counting the sump i bought uh the plywood stand right not not an aluminum frame with a cool skinned any of that crap um it i mean it creeps up into that price range so that's where I was kind of surprised. But don't leave us hanging. Creeps up in that price range. What's your? How much did you spend on your tank? Are you not trying to let Nicole find out how much it was? <laughs> a little bit of both. No. <laughs> One thing you'll learn about me is I'm bad with numbers, man. Um, uh, that's fine. So, it was comparable. It was comparable. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was exactly. It, it was a little less, but but not enough to. If you were given the choice, you would choose one over the other because of cost. If that makes sense. Um, and but it's going to cost you some time and some bandwidth to plumb it as cleanly and as elegantly as, Oh, you, any, uh, yeah, you just, yeah. I forgot to count the plumbing. Well, it's even, expensive, man. It's, I mean, I don't think so. You, I mean, what are you, what are you you're looking at? Like, Oh, Oh, bulkheads and stuff. Yeah. Oh God. It's just it's something we take for granted, man. Like all and these all in one tanks, all the little, all uh, the bulkheads, yeah. All the little things. So yeah, you had that up um, a couple hundred dollars easily. I was just thinking um, the tank would ship with the plumbing and then you'd have to just you know put in some elbows and some some drains or whatnot. But yeah, when you start adding up uh, the bulkheads, a good quality bulkhead is good. It's, I mean, 25 each. Yeah. Like each hole that's into your well, sump, even the, out of your sump. A gate valve, right, for your, for your drain. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And then, I mean, what do you think would take longer? Plumbing a tank with PVC and measuring everything and cutting and then you screw up and you got to cut again versus assembling a stand, right? I I, I would argue that the the cost to your personal time would be less uh, assembling that stand. Yeah. You know, watch a movie like you did, grab a yeah. beer, you know. Two movies. Yeah. I don't even remember what they were. They were like low stakes movies, but um but yeah, so that's, you know, that's something that everyone should really take into consideration like you see the sticker price of the tank you see a sticker price of a stand you know you know maybe the the cost of some of these customized sumps but the 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 investment of of money and time and just focus of plumbing your own stuff uh, that starts to add up and you know it's fair to say that unless you're doing something really tricky it is a major convenience to just have this, you know, totally plug and play uh, plumbing solution. That, that, that's something that I don't think gets celebrated nearly enough. Well, and what I don't understand, well, I do understand, but uh, it's not how I think about things. But I see a lot of people get those red sea tanks and they mm-hmm. rip the plumbing out and they go full custom with these adapters and everything. I have I haven't even seen that. <laughs> oh, it's all over the forums, and uh, I mean, it looks cool. And and if they if they had a blast doing them doing that stuff, then more power to them. But at the same rate, I'm, I'm like, was it worth it? I mean, I have no issues with the plumbing on my reefer. I it does everything it needs to do. It's got a great return. It's got the drain. It's got the emergency drain. 
I got plenty of room. Oh, and the other thing I love about these Red Sea tanks, and and I guess true for water box as well, is glass sumps. Yes. We, yes. Need, we need that in this hobby, man. I, mm-hmm. If I could order a custom, I mean, I guess I could. I'm sure somebody would build it for me, but it's not something you could readily get for a, for a tank. Um, you know, there, there, there used to be an argument for having a custom acrylic sump because it was a lot easier to drill. But now, you know, diamond encrusted uh, hole saws for glass are really, really easy to get. I mean, they're super cheap. One bit used to cost $100. Now on Amazon for like $40, you can get 12 different sizes, metric or standard, you know, so it's really not that hard to drill glass, should you ever need to do that. But, but yeah, like these, these, these tanks are are really, I mean, they're covering probably like 75% of what you, you know, what I would consider you and me to be discerning aquarists. Um, 75% of what we want, it's, it's just taken care of. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and the the business of, of getting to the reef tank and getting it set up and get it flowing, getting it aquascaped, um, that that's what we're here for. I mean, granted, there's some people who really take pride in customizing a lot of different aspects. But uh, but yeah, these companies are doing an amazing job. All of them, honestly. I agree. Um, let's see, what was a couple of other features that they had in there? You know, they want to, they want to tout, uh, an improved gate valve. I don't think they have a gate valve. I think they have a diaphragm valve. Um, but either way, a control valve. Yeah. For I saw that continuous... it was improved. <laughs> more yeah. resolution, you know, more sensitivity into the dial. Like I never had a problem. I, so, so mine works okay. I, uh, but I, I've always wanted to ask a Red Sea company spokesperson about that because that's a very intentional decision, right? I don't think there's any issue with them using a gate valve um, from a patent or, you know, whatever. There's nothing stopping them, I would imagine. So it's a very intentional decision to go with a diaphragm type valve. And so when I saw that they had a new and improved one, it was like they were sticking to their guns on that. And, um, they think those tanks through, you know, through and through very thoroughly. Like they're, they're, they don't just make these decisions lightly. So I, I would love to hear what, what the intention, what, what is their reasoning for sticking with that? Uh, because I, I, I do find them somewhat tweaky, uh, you know, when they start to gum up a bit. So you got to clean them. So but, for those of you that don't know, um, what is in America called um, a bean animal uh, overflow, which we have longer called a continuous siphon overflow, keeping that siphon going. Um, God, I think it was like a Brian Edward out of North Carolina was one of the first guys I knew to put that together, but it was on our, our secret clubhouse forum for first, second rules. You don't talk about it long since defunct. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know why they use a diaphragm valve. And so it, uh, um, I use a gate valve on my larger system because that was totally custom. Um, but a diaphragm valve, whoop, not, not used to have this here, but a diaphragm valve just basically squeezes two sections together. Mm-hmm. And over a long period of time, you, you know, you get buildup on every surface of the aquarium that's uh, exposed to water. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll close it down all the way and hopes to like kind of squish out the gum and then open it up all the way to try to, uh, but I, I, you know, I only have to do that. Like, I don't know, once a year, a couple times a year, depends yeah. on how much I'm feeding. I, I, I find it to be easily serviceable. So I thought maybe that's, that's one of their reasons because you can go in there with your Allen wrench, unscrew the stainless screws, pop it out, clean it, 
screwed back together, you're back in business. Have you done that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've literally never opened up my diaphragm valve because I've mostly used gate valves for yeah. the continuous siphon overflow. I mean, you know, you can get a gate valve with uh, quick disconnects these days where you just unscrew it, pop it out. Um, so those are serviceable as well. But, you know, so I thought maybe this is a little easier to deal with. I, I don't know. I, I've always been curious about that. It's a, it's a unique design or, I guess, engineering choice. But it works. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I would be curious to know and just really, you know, talk to some of the lead designers on this if they really engineered that diaphragm valve or found something on the market that worked. Because when you see something like that, uh, my first thought, and this is not a reflection of Red Sea, but probably a lot of other companies is that, oh, their supplier just kind of made some improvements so they could say, oh, we have a better valve now. But <laughs> who knows? You know, we don't yeah. really know. I haven't had nearly enough FaceTime with like any of these company reps for, uh, for quite a long time. Um, what was another thing about it? Yeah, you know, it's got a. Uh, you you were t- you, we were chatting just a little bit earlier today, and you said you don't like high clarity glass. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring it up. I'm probably in the minority about this, but that's okay. I mean, you uh, have you have uh, you know, reasonable, rational reasons for it. So another reason I went with a custom aquarium was because uh, I would I would have easily readily bought another you know ready to ready to put together tank like a red sea or something i do not like the ultra clear glass because maybe it's me maybe i i'm just a bit of um an ogre or something when i clean my tank but i scratch the hell out of it and um i've always avoided acrylic tanks because you know with especially when you're dealing with coralline algae and everything else i just want to go in there with like a steel razor or mm-hmm. like even the mm-hmm. the metal blade on the tunzi magnet cleaner and just go to town, right? I don't want to be dealing with like a plastic scraper like you would an acrylic tank. And I've had, you know, two tanks with the ultra clear glass where it's great. I mean, um, is it more clear? Sure. But the minute you scratch it, uh, that scratch really is an eyesore and subtracts any benefit of, of, of the, the clarity of the glass. And in my opinion, humble opinion... For my own tank, if, if I was in a peninsula tank where you're looking through the tank, mm-hmm. I would see the benefit in having clear glass. But if you have a back black wall, you know, regular tank against a wall, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you would be able to really pick up on the difference unless an ultra clear and a regular glass tank were side by side, you'd probably see the difference. But if that tank showed up at your door with regular glass, you put it in and you just live with it. You'd, I don't think you'd really notice the difference. This, this is a true fact. Hashtag true fact. You know, we, we lived for, so just kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, um, there's a lot of additives that are used in glass to make it, you know, stronger or easier to work with. And one of the most common ones in just, structural glass is iron and that helps to give it strength um but so if you want a a clearer aquarium you take out some of that iron thereby making it softer and um i have one two three four five six 
at least seven seven you know uh, high clarity glass tanks, and um, there's some fine, very fine scratches on a couple of them. But you're right, you know, depending on your you know how you maintain your aquarium, it's a lot easier to get a, a small accidental scratch in um, the high clarity, which also is by default also softer, um, and. In my case, usually there's a so shallow that I can't see them unless I'm looking for them. And uh, to, back to your point too, like if you have a regular glass tank, you're like, oh, that's, that's clear enough, right? And then when you have a high clarity glass tank, that the thing about the high clarity glass is it shows every bit of algae. It shows the lack of transparency in the water. It shows the coloration in your water. So unless your water is crystal clear and your glass is super clean, um, you're not going to really get that benefit. But you know, definitely for my peninsula tanks, when I give them a good wipe down, and I'm always running like a small amount of carbon to keep uh, organics from building up, it looks like air. It looks like it looks like air. So did, so for your tank, did you specifically request? regular glass i may regret that decision because it is three quarter inch glass uh i've Ooh, never owned thick for your 180 uh, yeah this uh reefer 65 is the same thickness and um i'm That's a little nervous 19, 19 millimeters for everyone outside of america yeah which these new red sea tanks i notice are the same thickness so I, you know, all the other tanks would have bracing at the top that I've owned in the past. So they had thinner glass, right? Thinner, regular glass. So I'm a little nervous that, you know, when you get into the 19 millimeter, three quarter inch glass, maybe, maybe I'll be eating my own words and I'll be like, oh man, that green tint is really apparent. But I, I don't think I, you're going to notice it. No. Unless you have a tank right next to it to compare it to. You just, you just, and, and back to your point, unless you have a peninsula style tank, you're just not really going to notice. It's funny. You like, you notice when you do have it, but you won't notice if you don't have it for the most part. Yeah. I we'll see. I, I did the armored seams. I did regular glass and the hope is I can just go to town on it with like a metal blade once a is week. That, <laughs> is that what they're called? Armored seams? No, that's what I call it. I think, um, no, no, no. That's what we're calling it from now on. Because I have uh, noticed, and I don't think it's been discussed enough. This is what we're here for, is discerning reefers. Is my Red Sea has um, armored seams, which is like a kind of like a plastic wedge at the bottom. So I can bounce that magnet a scraper all the way down and just never worry about it. But on the water box, it's like an exposed seam, you know, so I got to be a lot more careful when I, when I get down to those edges, armored seams, that's what we're calling them. <laughs> I, I think I've heard that term mostly used with the uh, reef savvy tanks. So hopefully they don't mm. have a trademark on that, but, um, but, and I did not get a reef savvy tank. That was a little, uh, too upscale for, for me. I, I think they make amazing tanks, but I, it just wasn't in my budget. Uh, plus I think they have a long lead time, but did, did you see these armored seams on this tank? I mean, I'd assume that they have it because I have an older Red Sea. It's it's impossible to tell from the photographs. Yeah, my my six two five has it on the bottom. Uh, right. I, so I only have it on the bottom of my own. Um, but yeah. I did see a friend of mine got a planted aquarium very similar to the one I have. Mine's thirty by thirty by eight eight feet long. He got it thirty six by thirty six. But then he had the the armored seams um, on all sides, on all corners and the bottom. I was like, man. 
How how is this a thing and no one's talking about it? Armored seams. Yeah, that's what we're calling them for now. <laughs> yeah, that's Planet is the one making my tank. So that's that's whatever you saw in his tank is what I uh I guess is what I'm getting hopefully. At bottom point. and edges and like the sides. Uh, yeah. Oh, very um, cool. Maybe I I hope so. I hope I didn't just specify just the sides. I'll have hmm. to double check that. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I have learned so much about um, general glass tank construction and design by having tanks from everybody. Red Sea, Waterbox, Cade, Proclear, Innovative Marine, and Planet. And when you're at the Reef Aquarium shows or you're just looking at pictures online, all you see is a glass box, right? Mm-hmm. You just see a glass box and you can kind of notice the overflow. But like, uh, you know, for example, I noticed on my five foot reefer, peninsula, XL, whatever the number is, um, the end glass is a little bit thinner than the side panes. And yeah. I notice because my magnet is a lot stronger, a lot more effective at that end than it is on the panes. And there's just like the, between that and the armored seams, um, there's just a lot of little nuance that you just don't know you want or don't want and, and, and until they're spotlighted by, you know, podcasts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. cool, man. I love how you and I can just totally riff about general aquarium construction about based armored on the seams. <laughs> armored seams based on the announcement of one particular tank. So we're we're discussing the Red Sea, but we're talking about so much more at the same time. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. So cool. This is my therapy. I love it so much. It's, it does me good. Um, what are some other things that they had on there? Um, the slide out control panel. Yeah. That's very, a good idea. Very cool. So um, definitely check out uh, uh, the write up I did on Reef Builders. Should be posted by the time that this uh, video slash podcast is shared. But on the right side, there is a basically a. Um, like a sliding panel that you can put all of your controllers and I guess power supplies and maybe some dosing pumps onto to keep everything in place, um, but also more accessible. So um, I guess historically, uh, you know, some of us all, older reefers would have just put these on the inside panes of the stand or we would have put it on the inside doors but then you have to worry about where the cords are going if it's inside the stand you can't really access it so much um Cade really like set the bar pretty high by kind of building one section completely on the outside on one side of their stands really really awesome work it with a built-in like a power control center maybe a little bit more than most people need and then you've seen Waterbox kind of be inspired take some inspiration from the Cade um, with a kind of a side control panel I don't know if they had the uh, built-in power strips though Um, but the Red Sea version with the slide out panel so you get the best of both worlds it's kind of in the tank you can slide it out for accessibility. I'm a gearhead, man. Just sign me up. That thing's awesome. Yeah, I, I give them a lot of credit for, I mean, they were, they have thought a lot through um, what a reefer needs early on, right? I had one of their E170 tanks, and yes, I like using controllers, but it came with a power station, right? With mm. like buttons so I could, they with little pictures, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. I thought, for your average hobbyist, hobbyist, that's great, right? Like, hey, turn your lights off, turn your return pump off. I'm doing maintenance. This flip is it before back on. everything was controllable. 
Yeah. Right? This is so, you know, having kind of a distributed power center with these switches. Yeah, it makes acquiring maintenance way easier. Well, back in the day, their Max tanks had timers for the lights. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, they were mechanical timers, which more reliable than digital, you know, could be argued. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of innovation there. The only thing I wasn't thrilled about is, you know, in the Cade, it's totally separate from the stand. It's outside. Yeah. You open a separate I call it suicide door, the side door. Um, but there's no exposure to moisture or whatever. Then in my Red Sea uh, five-foot peninsula, um, there's a totally dedicated chamber for where you could put a, um, um, a chiller or anything that kind of needs to stay dry. And that's where I put all my power supplies. Yes. Yeah, and um, by controllers, I'm not talking aquarium controller at all. I'm talking <laughs> pump controllers, light controllers, dosing controllers, whatever. Um, so... Yeah, I, I wonder if that's just something that's um, not included in the documentation for the new Reefer S series, if there's a panel that can go up to kind of separate the wet, humid, you know, filtration side from the um, the chiller and controller and power control center side. I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be that hard to put together, but, you know, they've thought of everything. So I, I really hope there's a panel there that you can include to, to separate the humidity from the stuff that needs to stay dry. Yeah, I do like that. I, I have the same situation where that, that separate compartment, which they often advertise as a place for your chiller. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I put some of that, uh, Panduit stuff, which is like wire management, Oh yeah. Um, I put that in there. I mounted everything and it's so, it's, it's so nice and tidy. Oh God. <laughs> you know, when people visit the studio, rarely it's, it's, it's a rare occurrence. You're welcome. I can't wait till you can come out and we can do this in, in person. Hey, I'm getting vaccinated next week. So I got my, uh, I got my non-vaccine non-covid vaccine yesterday <laughs> just You're what? Catching up on my non-covid vaccine just catching up on tetanus and uh, whatever the cocktail is so yeah, i got a vaccine yesterday but it wasn't covid um uh man where was i oh uh when people come to the studio when people come to the studio they ask me what is the one of the my favorite things to show and i like to highlight that one of my favorite things is what you can't see I have worked very hard to put together like baskets for power supplies and really keep things out of sight, but still within reach. And it's just, God, if I had wires and stuff like for everything that you can see, man, I went so far as to buy, um, here's a pro tip for you cable management um, enthusiasts buy custom extension or power cables, not extension cords, but the power cord that plugs into your power supply. You can buy these for two to $3 um, in six inches or 12 inches in any color you want. And when you don't have six feet of black power cord to tie up all every freaking where, Oh my Lord, that's like, that's like 50% of the battle right there. It's it's incredible. Like I, I don't, I'll never, if I ever did custom setups, but every one of my tanks, I have uh, custom, these custom power cords. Uh, again, I order for like two or $3. They're super cheap, but you can get them any color you want. By and large, all of mine are white, but um, I think in a couple rare cases, I use a red one for like heater and a, a blue one for the pump, and you can get a yellow one for the light. Like it's amazing. Um, well, yeah, when people come, like my favorite thing is what you can't see. It's just showcasing, showcasing the aquarium. Yeah, I love that Panduit stuff. I use that quite a bit. Um, 
I know people are all about these boards that you hide the stuff behind and it's like front facing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like if you've got this nice deep stand and then you put this face in front with all your cool little gadgets on display, um, then you also make it inconvenient to get to the back of it. Uh, it looks neat, I guess, but for me, I, I love that. Maybe it's from my computer days. It's like you can throw that around your stuff and then tuck all your wires into it. It's yeah. kind of a pain when you got to like pull a pump out or replace yeah. something, but um, it's, it's worth It's a fine it. art. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a little bit of effort, but in your day-to-day, um, and it's just, it's it keeps everything neat. I mean, um, I feel like you're less prone to finding some kind of disaster or something wrong inside your sump if you just keep everything where it's supposed to be. Not, um, not to mention, like, if you have a snake pit of cables and wires, when you open up just your stand you're not going to be motivated to do the work that you actually need to do because it's just, it's just stressful to see all those cables and power supplies just resting every single where. And so for me, it's definitely like a Zen thing to make sure to keep yeah. all the cables clean, to make, keep the power supplies. Like, like this, the studio could be flooded with about two feet of water and nothing would happen. Yeah. Two feet of water. My tanks would just be running just fine. Cause all the, uh, the, um, the outlets are about four feet high there's nothing lower than that, you know. Uh, I have a couple controller boards, and but everything else is just kind of like, yeah, out, out of sight, out of sight, but not like inaccessible. That's also super important. Yeah, I if you open up my cabinet, you see no wires, you see uh, dosing containers. That's it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Come oh, in there. dude, one of my next videos is literally going to be showing off three different kind of like dosing setups, and it's just so awesome. You mentioned that, like, because you open it up. I got three different stands. Like you open it up, you see nothing except the dosing bottles because you want to keep those front and center to make sure that they haven't run out. <laughs> that's super yeah. important. <laughs> it's uh, that's where I, that's exactly where I was going where uh, maybe I, I thought it was just a me thing where when I open up the cabinet, I don't want to be distracted by anything else except those containers and go, Oh, okay. I got to fill those, you know? Yes. Yes. And I'm still looking for a solution on how, and this is for, I guess, the controller people. How can I get alerts on when I need to refill? Because Ooh, I've had issues that's with... A, that's an easy fix. Easy fix. No control yep. required. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, let's see. Most of the newer smart-ish dosing pumps, the, uh, let's see, GHL Doser 2, um, absolutely, the Ecotech Marine Versa, and um, what's that thing called? Daggummit. The E-Coral Doser. Oh, yeah, I think it's just called the E-Coral Doser. Um, obviously, as long as you calibrate them well, you can tell them how much fluid is in the container, and it will send you alert um, But you know when you're getting close. And you can tell it when to alert you, like when you're down to 10% or you're down to 5%. So, yeah, what, what dosers are you using right now? So I've, I had a GHL doser on my on my E170, but uh, I'm using the Neptune dose on this one, and I know I can reset. Never heard of the, it. <laughs> I know I can reset the um, the volume in my reservoir, but uh -huh. um, I'm sure it's just me. I need to do some decent. Oh, you don't want to spend two hundred dollars on custom uh, dosing containers that have built-in float switches to let you know. <laughs> I have that container and <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, the optical sensors have failed on it. So, um, and I, I'm, I thought, how does an optical float sensor fail? 
I don't know. They I guess it's not stopped. a flow sensor, but how does an optical sensor fail? I don't know if it's uh, corrosion from the, the harshness of the chemicals or I don't know. It, it's, it seems to be a, a somewhat common issue. I just attribute it to the optical sensors that, you know, in their design or something. But And they're not easy to replace because the wiring is like, I don't know. Um, again, maybe I'm wrong on this, but Yo, I try to... Is- that is an awesome idea. That is an awesome product. Um, you know, going with the optical sensors is hypothetically like the best route to prevent like you know the, the chemicals from interacting from the float with the float switch. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know what, what we're talking about, uh, Neptune Systems built a, a really thoughtful dosing container that um, what was it hold like a gallon? Uh, I want to say two liters per. Per reagent, roughly half a gallon per container, and they have the optical float switches to let you know when you're empty. But it was like two hundred dollars. Like ninety nine, dude. I celebrate that all day long, especially if it can work with other things. Like it doesn't actually need to connect to your apex. I mean, honestly, like it could just have like a tiny little battery to just give me a little beep. You know, and a different tone for each container. Um, that's funny that you have that container to solve that problem, but they failed on you. That sucks, man. Well, it's okay. I mean, it, it, I actually still like the container for what it is. It, it serves its purpose. But, I, you know, I've seen these new float sensors where the actual electronic sensors on the outside. Um, yeah. And it's magnetically attached. I don't know if, if there's something like that. If if somebody's an apex expert and they know of a way to send an alert when the unit has dosed fifteen hundred mLs, and then I can reset that alert, I'm sure there's a way. Let me know because uh, mm. I, I got burned by that actually two weeks ago, man. I uh, the one Acropora I have in my tank just turned doo doo brown pale, and I was like, all right, something's up. And then, you know, you start to go through that troubleshooting and I open up the cabinet door and my DDR is empty. There's no, there's no bionic in there. It's so funny how we automate some of these processes, right? But like, you know, I have dosing on a few different tanks and, but you still have to make sure that you have fluid left, especially, you know, nowadays, like you're dosing so much, so much to the tank. Um, Yeah, like... Uh, Evan is, uh, you know, I'm a helper here at the studio. He's more than a helper, but he, he caught that one of the dosing containers was, was empty. So it's really important to keep those front and center. Um, yeah, it's funny how automation only goes so far. You still need to pay attention and make sure that your dosing containers are full, which is why I love to use food coloring in my, you know, containers. Cause like the difference between a container is totally full and totally empty of clear fluid is very hard to tell. You know, you really have to look, but when it's filled with like, uh, cause I made all, make all my own, uh, bulk stuff with, um, Brightwell Aquatics, uh, dry additives. I just had a little food coloring. Um, but you could really tell, you can really, really tell. Um, yeah, very cool. I, I love how this conversation is just kind of weaving back and forth on just like the Red Sea Reefer S, but we're just talking about so much more associated with the features and the details of general tank maintenance and construction um let's see so the uh, red sea reefer s850 is 5300 180 gallons red sea reefer s1000 is 210 gallons and it's 5999 um, did they uh, announce when they would ship like when you could order 
Well, as of this recording has not been announced because we got that we got that little birdie who's letting us do this by the time this is published um, that will be available I, for sure, just like every other you know new kind of higher profile product. Um, it will be limited quantities, you know, to help, uh, I mean, they're just, you know, testing the waters, but it'll be limited quantities. So, you know, first batches are probably going to run out, but I mean, I, I don't really know, but I, I, I love this arms race that's taking place, you know, with Red Sea and Waterbox and Cade, you know, Planet Aquarium kind of has their own pond with, you know, more larger, more custom stuff. Invader has their own sandbox where they're uh, offering a lot of different um, dimensions, that are a little bit on the smaller side. And then you got ProClear. Let's not forget about ProClear. They're coming up on their 25th anniversary. If you don't know ProClear Aquatics Systems, um, they've actually been building the stuff for a lot of other companies for like a really long time, like uh all glass aquarium, but then turn into Aquion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, I think that was the first, that wasn't the first, but that was one of the, you know, the larger metal frame stands that I got. Um, that's currently my fish only aquarium. So, uh, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, the pace, the cadence of these aquariums coming out every few years. And every time they're trying to like, you know, a little arms race, trying to one up each other on, uh, you know, how to make the tank more compelling. Well, it's just funny to me that, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, back in the day when we were doing this, the the everything included aquariums, we would always talk hobbyists out of those. Like, ah, oh, no, you, you're better off just putting it together yourself. What, what, what do you have in mind? DIY, right? what, huh? what, would you, what would you call it? What would be an all-in-one solution before the, the first Red Sea Max? Uh, that's a good question. The uh, cube? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I feel like there were other examples. I mean, even... Um, Oceanic, maybe? That, that was the closest thing to an ecosystem, right? Because they had the tank, they had the stand, they had the glass sump, and they had the very Ooh, funky yeah. protein skimmer. <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of an ecosystem for uh, 1998. Yeah, no, I'm not thinking that far back. I guess even the early Red Seas, they were actually really nice systems, but... A lot of times people would see like the price tag, you know, at, for what was, I think, like a 50 gallon tank. And they'd say, oh, you know, just go get a 40 gallon breeder, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like these days that argument is moot, you know, I mean, again, going a, a bit back to the plumbing and everything else, but it's just. If you're a pro reefer, if you want to, I don't know what that necessarily means, but like somebody who, who's who's plumbed their own tanks, I guess, who've set up tanks from scratch multiple times, I don't think any of those type of people would look at any of these um, kits and, and scoff at them, you know? No, like, no. I mean, it's just you and me. We're literally talking about ourselves. Like, yeah. I look at this, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have just more freedom and flexibility to reef to actually take care of the corals the reason we made our own stuff because because it was everything available was crap yeah you know like even if you bought like a all glass aquarium or perfecto aquarium with the stand you know it was like 200 dollars for the overflow kit you know and that was just the plumbing that went inside the overflow box which is kind of silly it should have been included but then you still had to plumb it from the tank down to whatever some solution you have so yeah man this is this is one of those things that has definitely fueled and accelerated the reef aquarium hobby like like no other. And, uh, I, I, I welcome it with open arms, super duper cool. And I just want to see just more, 
more of this all in oneness so we can um you know the, the, there's there's times when you really need to build something from scratch when you're doing something tricky or something uh, really kind of outside the box and there's other times where like you know i just want to tank full of euphilias i don't need any bells and whistles for my soft coral tank or my fish tank or my euphilia garden you know this it's just kind of yeah i like it i like it a lot so i got a good segue then um by not having people so fixated on the sump, the plumbing, all of that, and the build, right, and getting back to the focus of what's in the tank, I think that's a good segue for what you sent me earlier about um, the naming thing and how we've really kind of ventured away from being proper at identifying things. Yep, yep. The only thing that I see really lacking with these all-in-one tanks is at least the option for a really good screen top. You know, I think, uh, you know, Red Sea has a DIY offering. Um, the Cade comes with one. They're not good enough. I'm sorry. They're just not. Like, even if you have experience making the Red Sea uh, screen top, it just, it's like $3 worth of materials on a $6,000 aquarium. Like, yo. Have you not seen what's on the market right now as far as like these ready-made like uh, acrylic um, with, with, with clear screens and, and doors? Like it's just not enough. I mean, how do you feel about that? I agree. I, I did the Red Sea kit, which, you know, is like a window screen <laughs> and it was a pain in the butt to put together. And then a- you try to get like something accommodating designed into it to do, you know, to feed your fish. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I, it's, a, well, again, you asked me about why I went the route I did with my tank and the lower water line and everything else. I hate screen tops. And maybe part of that is my experience with the screen top that I had, you know, some of those acrylic ones that have like a feeding, um, box mm-hmm. or whatever, what do you call it? a little, you know, you can pull it out a door, door. door. There we That's go. Door. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I get it to some degree because even those are custom ordered based on what your lighting setup is and where your lights are clamped. So Red Sea can't exactly predict that, right? They don't know what you're going to do. I don't know, but I agree. Maybe there's some middle ground there. I'm sorry, but the the rolled up uh, DIY solution is trash. If you make a perfect square, no problem. It'll be rigid. The moment you try to get around a light mount or an overflow box or try to add a door. It just, it just totally falls apart and then trying to like get that spline in to like hold the screen. It's it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not up to the standard of the aquarium itself. They could, they could build one of these badass acrylic ones for their lighting system. And then if you're the guy that says, nah, I want to use, radions and i want to use a different mount and i'm going to do it this way or that way then there's still that aftermarket right there's still the custom guys that'll build that for you but do you know why they don't include it why do you know what drives this whole economy of all-in-one tanks shipping and logistics how many of these can fit into a container you know the 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 six foot reefer s850 is not six feet long it's 71 inches, right? So they can really make a, a complete total usage 
of shipping containers. Like, I don't know exactly how they're packed, but when you see a, a six foot tank is 71 inches, not 72, or the eight foot tank, I'm oh, sorry, the seven foot tank is 83 inches, not 84. It's, it's, it's it, the logistics, you know, the logistics of shipping like a flat pack, you know, real acrylic uh, screen top, it just doesn't make sense. But if you can ship a bunch of tubes that are uh, a little bit more malleable, like, that 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 is one of those weird things that's kind of like shaping the availability of products in the reef aquarium industry that you don't think about. And this is one of those uh, elements: the logistics of shipping that glass from China. They're all made probably in you know, a ten square mile radius or ten mile radius. They're all made in you know in certain regions, not too far from uh, the glass foundry. I guess I think glass would be called a foundry. Um, it's the logistics of bringing those to market that has a, a huge impact on the final price. And I think that's why we're not seeing any mass produced um, mesh screen tops at all. I'm also curious about, um, so acrylic is a petroleum product and petroleum products are very expensive outside of the US. Uh, you know, so you don't see a lot of acrylic aquariums. No, no you um, don't. And I think that probably helped push them into building the glass sumps, for example, and, mm, you know, other things. That's a good glass point. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, I mean, you wouldn't have to make it out of acrylic, right? Like, that you could make it out of plastic. Like, I mean, ABS plastic. plastic. Is petro- like, it, it has to hold nothing. <laughs> and that's petroleum, too. But, I mean, they the lid on their overflow box is made out of that material. And so... I don't know. I just wonder about that too. Is uh, it's always funny when you see like Euro tanks and the overflow box is glass, and yeah, you know, yeah here yeah. we always got the acrylic boxes. And fun fact: the overflow box on the Red Sea is acrylic, and the overflow box, my water box, is glass. Really? Yeah, yeah. And the only reason that matters is that you can't glue frags to a glass overflow box. Because I've tried. <laughs> it's so funny. And, you know, again, back to like these nuances of different aquariums, the innovative Marines have a whole acrylic back layer just to make the comb for the, for the overflow, for the filter teeth. So it's, it's easier to glue an entire piece of acrylic on the entire back for the, the comb screen, whatever you want to call it, than it is to just kind of delicately glue in, you know, something kind of removable. But, um, but yeah, so I think, uh, did you have anything more to say on the, the reefer S or kind of, of this, uh, line of all in one aquariums in general? No, I, 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 like I said, I think, um, I hope other manufacturers take note, you know, I'd love to see more glass sumps. I mm. like glass overflow boxes cause you can scrape them clean, right? Scraping up acrylic overflow boxes a pain mm-hmm. um i like the move to using aluminum for stands it seems like dude that's that's inevitable that yeah. is on a long enough timeline everything but solid hardwood is not going to last as long as the glass right in the worst conditions whether it's plywood particle board marine grade i don't care you subject it to the the highest amount of humidity um it's not going to last as long as the glass tank <laughs> you know is it and it, it, you know another thing too is like i don't i don't want to harp on red sea but like it's a premium tank with a 3 year warranty does that sound like enough does that sound like enough to you 
you know, you invest all this time and money in three years, you can grow a substantial reef. I don't think it's enough, you know. If you're a fly-by-nighter, uh, glass and aquarium stand maker, like yeah, whatever, give them a one-year warranty. But three years, I, I think it's more like it's harder to track warranties after three years than it is to offer like a sincere five-year warranty. Yeah, and I think it's tricky too. I mean, um, I, I would like to see longer warranties, but a lot of times you look at the issues people have with aquariums and you you kind of have to wonder did the person install it right is is that was the is tank level yeah. is the floor bouncy is the you know is, is the, the floor the properly floor secured yeah 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 no, um, i guess i guess it, what's the that- humidity in your house like you know it's like if your wood stands falling apart but you got 70 percent humidity yeah maybe that's an issue too right so yeah, no, I, I guess in light of that, I think a three-year warranty is reasonable uh, compromise between one and, and five years. But but clearly, um, every aquarium over a certain size in the future is going to have some kind of metal frame stand. Like, it won't even be okay to offer a wood stand for any tank over three feet, you know, especially since, you know, we know how to make this modular stuff. So, um, yeah, really cool news from the Red Sea Reefer. I love how we were able to expand on the meaning and um, you know the value of some of these different features, without just talking about the tank itself. That's you know, <laughs> that's something that you uh, you know you are equ- uniquely uh, equipped to join me in that discussion, especially because you're not in the industry. You've never been in the industry. You've just been a diehard hobbyist for most of your life, and I think that's what uh, brings a special touch to the the reef therapy sessions. I like your, uh, by the way, I like your Vernon, or Varen, man, did I say Vernon? Varen books in the background there. Yeah, you know, I heard that there's a super limited edition uh, version of them that's like leather bound. I've only heard of them, but I've never seen them. So I actually have a couple different copies of those, but I think that's my original copy from 2001. And and you know what? I downloaded the entire Coral of the World website with a site sucker. Um, just pull down everything. I remember telling Charlie, he's like, he was like, oh man, but that would be like a few gigs. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but it's a lot lighter, you know, when you're on a dive boat in the middle of the Indian Ocean or whatever, to, than than bringing the books along. So I'm really glad I actually have the whole website like as a file on my computer. But but yeah, dude, super awesome discussion. Thank you for uh, talking about the not just the Red Sea Reefer S aquariums, but like what do these features mean to the experienced aquarist and to the newbie aquarist. And uh, I think we're just going to cut it off there and uh, take a little break and uh, record another one, but that'll be next week. So uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the, the sessions of reef therapy. Oh man, I feel so much better after we do these and uh, looking forward to next week. Must start laying down on the couch back there like a true therapy <laughs> session, you know. <laughs> you, you see how I didn't post up in front of my tank, so I didn't give you that uh, uh, complex uh, about my no. background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Although this is a thirty-five-year-old bag of Instant Ocean that I framed, I had I, I had to pay like thirty-five dollars on, on eBay for like a, a used aquarium lot. This thing had salt in it, and I was totally planning to just cut it open, but it came with some uh, some test kits and. Uh, old hydrometer new in the box oh my god i love some of this old stuff but that's 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 for another discussion so 
Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Reef Builders channel. Uh, give us just a little bit of time, and we're going to come up with a logo and syndicate all this stuff uh, in a podcast form so you guys can digest it very well. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Later, guys. <laughs>